At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. It is our number three of the look at right here on VSIN, the sports betting network. Greg Peterson holding it down as Scott Seidenberg was on the nightcap earlier tonight. If you're out here actually on the West Coast, it is now yesterday. That he was on the nightcap as it's now midnight Pacific. If you're listening live 3 a.m. Eastern, which means we are on to Friday. And on Friday, we're going to be seeing some good college basketball action. It's not necessarily the world's steepest slate, but there are some intriguing games. Hit on a couple of them in our number two when it comes to my New York Post pick. That is going to be in the Wisconsin versus Michigan State game. If you want to missing it in our number two, don't worry. I'll have you covered towards back after this hour. Going to be taking a little bit of a look at the NFL futures market as well as we wound up having two great guests on David Baker, former super contest winner from 2020. Also a two-time world series of poker bracelet winner. Join me in the back half of our number two. And then Pam Maldonado of Yahoo sports. Join me in our number one. Great to be able to get their perspectives on this show tonight. Now got to give you some perspective in the meantime on some college basketball. How about if we go with a ranked team that has fallen quite a bit this year? St. Bonaventure Duquesne. This is going to be 885-886 on the betting board. You've got a Duquesne team that is finding themselves as a home underdog. Anywhere between 5.5 and and 6 points, as a matter of fact, here at Circa. We've went to 6. Total is anywhere between 137 and 138. And this is a line that it opened up at 5. I want to say my line at 5. So I was in a little bit of wait-and-see mode on the open. Now that we're seeing 5.5s and even some 6s popping, I'm going to be taking a look at Duquesne. Duquesne is not necessarily the world's greatest team, but they've got a lot of transfers that have sort of been able to come together. Someone like a Leon Ayers III, who wanted coming in from Mercer. He's been rock solid for the team. They will give you right around 12.5 points per game. I do like what you're able to get out of Kevin Easley as well. He goes a little bit under the radar because he wound up beginning his career at Chattanooga, sat out a year before, being a little bit of an afterthought at TCU. He's come through as a six foot seven combo player, been able to give this team 12 points. He's able to shoot about 40% from three-point range, so that has been very good. And what this Duquesne team does a very good job of, not fouling. They're actually in the bottom 15 with regards to fewest fouls per game, so that means that they don't commit a lot of fouls, right around 13 and a half per contest, so that has been a good attribute for this Duquesne team and for Duquesne as well. One of the best teams with regards to offensive rebound rate in college basketball, and that's going to be critical because you've got a St. Bonaventure team that they've really been going five deep with regards to their rotation. This is a team that they've got absolutely nobody that's able to spell their starting five. Now, their starting five is good. Oshun Oshuni is a guy that is able to give you seven rebounds per game. He chips in there three blocks per contest. So he's been able to do a nice job with that aspect. But you take a look at the rest of the team and you just, you need a little bit more out of them because this is a St. Bonaventure squad that they do have guys like a a Jalen Edway, who's able to give you right around 12 points per game. Kyle Lofton, 15 points, six assists per game. But when you've got five guys that you rely upon and you just have to utilize that for the rest of the season, it's not very effective. And for St. Bonaventure, what has really let this team down is their defense. In their last nine games, they've given up at least 70 points in seven of them. 
This is a St. Bonaventure team that they've always hang, hung their head on defense. They've always been trying to play very slow, and they seem to have gotten away from their identity quite a bit. And on top of that, when you wind up playing faster with only five guys out there, it not only hurts you in the short term, it hurts you in the long term as well because these guys, the more possessions you wind up logging on them, the more tired that they're going to be game after game. You take a look at the Bonnies this year, and they're a team that they've been playing relatively slow, but they're still a little bit faster than what you'd like them to see than what you'd like them to be. Now, the good news for St. Bonaventure is that they take care of the ball. With regards to turnovers on a per-possession basis, they do rank 38th in all of college basketball, so they do a nice job of being able to hold it down. We had a decaying team that this is not necessarily a blazer either. They are 231st in the country when it comes to possessions per game. St. Bonaventure, they're clocking in more around 277th, but when it comes to this decaying team, I do think that they're going to be able to get themselves some second and third chances. And when it comes to the Bonnies, this has been one of the bigger disappointments, especially among mid-majors in all of college basketball. I do think that they're going to be able to get the job done outright, but when it comes to the St. Bonaventure team, I just think that this is going to be a team that they try to get back to the roots. I think that with the lack of depth that they've got, they're going to be looking to play slower and slower and slower because the more possessions that they wind up logging at the end of games, they wind up falling apart. We've already seen it with St. Bonaventure in some of these games as well. So I want to say my total of 129. I think that you're going to get a little bit of a turtle race in this game. I'm going to be taking a look at it under. And with the Bonnies, made them a five-point favorite. So now here at five and a half to six, I'm going to be taking a look at Duquesne. I like the fact that this number keeps moving in favor of the Dukes because I think that there are a lot of people that are reluctant to say that St. Bonaventure has just been a big, giant Buster Rooney this year. So we're going to be banking on that. We're going to be taking a look at this game out there in the Ryzen League as well as You've got a top player who wanted transferring away from one of these programs a few games ago, and it's going to be intriguing to look at them moving forward. IPFW, a.k.a. Fort Wayne, they are going to be playing us to Robert Morris. If you're looking on the rotation, this is 883, 884. IPFW finding themselves a seven-point favorite. Your total is anywhere between 143.5 and 144.5, and the player that I'm talking about is out of the fold, Rasheem Dunn. He's now been out of the fold for right around four to five games, so this isn't necessarily new for Robert Morris, but... He was a guy that was averaging 13 points, a little bit over four assists per game. So Robert Morris has had to turn over a little bit of a new leaf. And to the credit of Robert Morris, this has not been a team that has just flailed into the abyss. They haven't necessarily gotten completely outside of themselves and become a big giant joke of team or anything like that. As a matter of fact, they probably played a little bit better without him. So that is to the credit of Robert Morris. But I do take a look at this Fort Wayne team. I do wind up saying them as an eight and a half point favorite. This was one of the top three point shooting teams at all of college basketball last year. This season has been a little bit of a drop-off. They've been shooting more around 34.5% from three-point range, but you take a look at this Fort Wayne team, and they have been able to do a better job on defense, and a big reason why is because Ari Kabadi has been able to do a good job on the glass. A guy that comes in for Vermont, 9.5 points, 6 rebounds per game. I like what I've seen out of him. And you take a look at the flip side for Robert Morris, and this is still a team that they've got a tough time holding on to the ball. They are turning the ball over a little bit over 14 times per game. Cam Ferris, ever since you wound up seeing the transfer of Rasheem Dunn. He has been holding the ball in his hands a little bit more. And as a result, a guy that was shooting 49% from three-point range has now been shooting sub-30% ever since the transfer. So he has seen a little bit of a dip with regards to his three-point shooting percentage when it comes to Robert Morris as well. What I do like about this team is that you've got Khalil Spear. He's a guy that winds up coming in for Bucknell. Not necessarily going to be out there stretching the floor, but has been able to do a good job with giving the team 13 points, seven rebounds per game, and he knocked Cheeks is the stat sheet suffer for this team. He's been able to do a solid job being able to give this team eight and a half points, five boards, two assists per game. Michael Green, someone that you want to be looking at as well. Bryant transfer, so he actually faced off against Robert Morris a few years ago when these two teams 
were out there in the NEC together. He's been able to get the team double digits in each of the last three games. And we have noticed a little bit of a tempo shift here with Robert Morris. They've been playing a tad bit faster, but I do think that IPFW, a team that plays relatively controlled, they are going to be playing a little bit slower in this game. When it comes to IPFW, this is a team that, with regards to possessions per game, right around 169th, but they actually play at about a three possessions per game lower clip when they are at home. They're a little bit more of a search for your three sort of team, so I think that that's going to be very key in this game. When it comes to Robert Morris, really, other than Khalil Spear, you don't have really anyone else that's doing a good job on the glass, which I think is going to be a big issue for this team. When it comes to Fort Wayne, you do have quite a few guys out there in the backcourt. They're able to do a good job of being able to give you double figures, so I do think that IPFW with their three-point shooting, they are going to be able to get the job done in the spot. And I do think that Robert Morris is going to be starting to feel the loss of what we've seen with Regime done more and more. And this is just a Robert Morris team that they've been close but no cigar all season long. And I think that it's starting to wear on these guys a little bit. Did wind up setting IPFW as an eight and a half point favorite. So I'm a little late here. Set this total at 143. So at 143 and a half, barely on the under. I'm seeing more 144 and 144 and a half, which I feel a little bit better about those. So take a look at the under and I'm willing to lay it here with the Mastodons of Fort Wayne. And then a game that I think is going to be very intriguing as well for this college basketball Friday is out there in the MAC because you've got a battle of tempos in this one in 889, 890 Buffalo playing host to Kent State. You've got a Kent State team that is one of the slowest teams in all of college basketball. Buffalo team that is one of the quickest teams. As a result, you've right now got yourself a total that is somewhere in the middle between 145 and 146 with Buffalo being a seven half point favorite. And I wound up setting my total at a 147 because while Kent State is a team that they do play very slow. You take a look at them in terms of possessions per game. They rank in the bottom 75 in all of college basketball. And when you take a look at Buffalo, the exact opposite. Buffalo, 29th in the country. I do think that the offense is going to be able to win out a little bit because if this winds up holding true to the line, it's like a seven, eight point game with a minute left to go. You are going to be seeing some late game following at Buffalo, a team that last year, they wound up shooting about 66, 67% of the free line. They've upped that to more around, I would say, 71, 72% the free throw line. So that has been very beneficial for the team. And this is a Kent State team that they actually do hit their free throws. They are in the top five nationally with regards to free throw shooting percentage. They've just been a big giant disappointment in general at 69 against the spread. And the big reason why is because they just haven't been able to get a lot with regards to their outside shooting. They're shooting about 32% from three-point range. A guy that last season was able to shoot about 44% from three-point range. I was really able to take the top off of the team. You haven't necessarily been able to have that out of Giovanni Santiago this season. And then you take a look at Buffalo. They had some woes a little bit earlier this season because Josh Umbala, a guy that wound up averaging about a double-double last season, he was out of the fold a little bit, but he wound up returning in the team's last game. Wasn't necessarily at full capacity, but I think that he's going to be in this game. You've got a Buffalo team that they've done a relatively solid job with regards to their offensive efficiency. They rank in the top 75 with that regard. And when it comes to Kent State, this is a team that they're outside the top 100 with regards to defensive efficiency, which is merely the amount of points that you allow on a per-possession basis. And for Kent State, they do rank 247th in the country with regards to points scored on a per-possession basis. Really not a drop-off, though, home to road as well. But I take a look at Buffalo. I do think that with having Ronaldo Segu out there in the backcourt, guy that's able to give you five assists, shoots over 40% for three-point range, that is going to be able to carry the day for this Buffalo team. I think that with Umbala back, you're going to be able to get second and third chances as well. So I do take a look at this spot, and I'm willing to lay it with Buffalo. Want to make them a nine-point favorite. I still think that they are one of the best teams out there in the MAC. And for Kent State, 
just been a disappointing team despite the fact that they've been very disciplined with regards to their free throw shooting so taking a look at it over and i'm going to be taking a look at kent state and coming up next we are going to be taking a little bit of a look at the nfl futures market where i'm finding value what i think is going to be coming up this weekend in the nfl up next right here on vsin the sports betting network this is the look ahead on vsin the sports betting network If you miss any part of our show or anything on the VEASAN schedule day, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcast, catch replays of all of our shows, or download and listen on your schedule. Go to VEASAN.com slash podcast and get Beating the Book with Gil Alexander or Market Insights with Josh Applebaum. Plus, we've got Hardwood Handicappers, The Lombardi Line, Follow the Money, My Guys in the Desert, Coast to Coast Hoops, which a new episode just dropped 15 minutes ago with myself, Greg Hughes Peterson, and many more. They are all free and available now vcin.com slash podcast is where you go to that or wherever you get your podcast apple Podcasts, google play spotify stitcher list goes on and on as we're back here on the lookout with myself greg Eubes peterson coming up in 45 minutes if you're listening to the replay it's going to be follow the money those guys are going to have you locked and loaded for the coming day and weekend in terms of sports betting obviously a big weekend when it comes to nfl if you're listening live well, you've got three more hours of me after this, and then you might be getting to follow the money. So either way, you're going to be in for a very good time. And we wound up having a pair of guests earlier on the show talking about the NFL postseason. Pam Maldonado does a great job over there at Yahoo Sports. And then you've got David Baker. What more needs to be said about a man who's won the Super Contest in the past, also has won multiple World Series of Poker bracelets. And I do think that it's going to be intriguing to see what we wind up getting in this round of the NFL playoffs because when you take a look at the odds board for the futures with regards to odds to be able to win the Super Bowl, you don't necessarily have a ton of short shots right now. Right now, the only team that's north of 10 to 1 is the Cincinnati Bengals. They are finding themselves 15 to 1. We're pretty much going in longest odds to shortest odds. 49ers are 10 to 1. You got the Titans at plus 850, plus 750 with the Rams, plus 550 with the Buccaneers. 5-1 to one with the Buffalo Bills, and then Chiefs are at plus 380, and then the Green Bay Packers are at plus 350. For one little bit of a takeaway here, these are in relative order of what we expect out of these quarterbacks. I think that Joe Burrow, certainly better than the number 8 spot, but really past that, got a, a bunch of teams in which it's pretty much ordered by how much slash little do you trust in these quarterbacks. I personally have Tom Brady a little bit ahead of Josh Allen myself, but when it comes to trying to be able to fire in on this, as I wound up stating a little bit before the postseason, I would just be doing money line rollovers right now just because if the Packers do wind up winning three games and they do wind up winning the Super Bowl, I think that you could get better value there. I mean, you even just take a look at the San Francisco 49ers. They are right now finding themselves the biggest underdog on the board for this divisional round. You're able to get their money line right now and north of two to one because, I mean, rather than take a 10 to one on them to be able to win the Super Bowl, you put one unit down on two to one, you're already now at we're just going to throw out there the arbitrary number of $100. You're not $300 with two games left to play. If you wind up getting them at even money, they wind up hitting both of those with the rollover mentality. You're already at 12 to one. And I can tell you right now, 49ers aren't probably going to be at an even money price in the final two rounds of the postseason. So, I mean, you're just able to get so much better value if you're betting this game by game, rather than looking at any market with regards to futures on top of that. If you wind up seeing some sort of a cataclysmic injury, I mean, Take a look at the Buccaneers. They've certainly been banged up. You're able to get a little bit more there. But when it comes to what we're seeing right now in the futures market, I honestly think at 15 to 1, 
The Bengals don't necessarily provide the world's worst value. I think that there's a good chance that they are going to be able to pull this game out right against the Tennessee Titans. I love Derrick Henry. I think that he's going to be able to provide a nice spark for the Tennessee Titans. I don't know about you, but I'm not sold on Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill is a relatively solid quarterback when he does have all the pieces out there, but what form of Derrick Henry are we going to get? I do think that Derrick Henry is going to be relatively solid. I do think that he's going to go out there. He's going to have a 100-yard game like we expect him to, but this is also going to be a Titans team that's in a little bit of transition as well because for so many weeks they were without him. Now you wind up introducing someone in the fold, and I always think that chemistry does matter when it comes to just any sport. It could be college basketball. It could be NFL. It could be baseball. The list goes on and on. I do think that that is something very important to be able to take a look at. I do think that the Packers being a short shot is relatively justifiable. I wanted to mention it with David Baker a little bit earlier, the fact that I do think that the Green Bay Packers are going to be able to cover this game against the San Francisco 49ers. When it comes to Green Bay Packers, they have home court advantage, or they have home field advantage. And when it comes to the frozen tundra, it is very tough for teams to be able to adapt to that. Being someone that now lives out here in Las Vegas, spends the early part of my life in Wisconsin, your blood just winds up thinning out when you're in a little bit of a warmer climate, like Tampa Bay, like Los Angeles, like even to a lesser extent San Francisco. But I will say, those of you that do live in San Francisco, you know that it never necessarily gets overly hot or overly cold throughout the season. So that is actually not going to bode as badly with them, but certainly do have my question marks when it comes to what we're going to be able to get out of the offense of the San Francisco 49ers. And when it comes to both the Rams and the Buccaneers, I think that this is probably going to be the biggest toss-up of the weekend. Whichever team winds up winning, you still have your landmines with regards to both of these teams because with Matthew Stafford, he is giving out turnovers like he's Sarah Lee's bakery right now. He wound up having eight interceptions in the last four games of the regular season. Now, he looked absolutely tremendous in that game against the Arizona Cardinals. No ifs, ands, or buts about it, but the Arizona Cardinals, they were a team that they wound up flailing a little bit down the stretch. They were able to get past the Dallas Cowboys, but... You know where the Cowboys are right now sitting on their couches along with the Arizona Cardinals as well. So that is something that you do want to be taking a look at. I feel like the Rams were a little bit of beneficiaries of the moment, but with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I recognize that Tom Brady has always been able to do more with less, but you wind up losing two out of your top three wide receivers. They've been without a lot of their run game as well, really their top two running backs. And that provides a very much difficult situation. Now you're dealing with injuries on the offensive line. Now the Buccaneers have been able to do a little bit of a better job on defense as well. And I still think that this is one of the better defenses out there in the NFL as well. And it is a big reason why I'm going to be taking a look at a lot of unders when it comes to these games for this upcoming weekend. Like even in the Bills versus the Chiefs game, I recognize how good both of these offenses are, but both of the defenses have been relatively stout, especially the Chiefs after they wound up having just an absolutely awful first five weeks of the season. They were really able to lock in. You got a Buffalo Bills team that I recognize that it was against a rookie quarterback, but they looked very good last week against the New England Patriots as well. They did wind up giving up a couple points late, but at that point, the game had been relatively salted away. They've given up 21 points or fewer in each out of their last five weeks, so I do think that they're going to be up to the task. And when, then when it comes to Kansas City Chiefs as well, when it comes to the Chiefs, you do have your question marks with regards to this offense because they've been able to rein it in here in recent weeks, but the Pittsburgh Steelers, when it comes to the regular season and the amount of snaps that they wound up leading as an offense, they wound up leading in fewer overall offensive snaps during the regular season than the Houston Texans. I know that our guy, Ben Wilson, wanted to mention that on Vison Bensetter last week. I thought that that was a very interesting set. And 
I do feel like the Chiefs have been a little bit of beneficiaries of a little bit of a softer schedule down the stretch as well. So that's something that you want to be taking a look at. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I feel like they're sort of on the same boat there. If I'm looking at any team out there in the AFC, I certainly think that the Chiefs are right now the best team just because with the Tennessee Titans, though they did wind up getting the number one seed, they're going to be able to have home field advantage. Can you really take Ryan Tannehill over Patrick Mahomes right now? That Tennessee Titans defense, it has been better in recent weeks as well. Mike Vrabel did a very good job of being able to coach these guys up down the stretch. He was able to get this team to fire on the cylinders, but got your question marks there. And I always do think that, and it's something that I want to asking David Baker as well, taking a look at these games in which you do wind up having rematches. The Bills versus the Chiefs. You've also got the rematch of the Rams versus the Buccaneers. How a team winds up coming out the second time is always intriguing because to beat a team twice in any sport, whether that be baseball, whether that be college basketball, the NFL, in very rare cases, college football, the team that wound up winning the first time around, they don't need to make a lot of changes. They could be like, oh, here's what we wound up seeing the first time. We need to continue to execute this. We need to continue to execute that. Meanwhile, the team that winds up losing they're going to throw in there a couple wrinkles. I'm sure that many of you guys listening out there, you want to playing sports at some point, whether it be at a very high level, a very low level, or just like high school, what have you. And I mean, it's as tried and true as it gets. If you wind up losing the first time around, you're going to make a whole heck of a lot more changes than if you wind up being able to get the victory the first time around, just because it is one of those cases in which you want to be able to duplicate that W from the first time around. You don't know necessarily what's coming as much. So I do think that that gives the Chiefs a little bit more of a leg up the first time around. And when it comes to that rematch of the Rams versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you know who was the leading rusher for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers the first time around? If your answer was Tom Brady, ding, 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 you win. Well, absolutely no prize whatsoever, but you can make, you can do a little bit of a bar bet with your buddies. You're going to be able to have that, but I certainly do think that you're going to be able to see the Tampa Bay Buccaneers find someone other than Tom Brady to be the leading rusher in this game. But I take a look at the futures right now, and like I do think that the AFC is a little bit more open than the NFC just because... I mean, maybe it's just me, but I'm still a little bit down on the 49ers. I did mention the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo has already led his team to a Super Bowl and got them really one pass away from winning a Super Bowl. But now he's all sorts of banged up. You really don't have the same rushing game that you wound up having for the San Francisco 49ers a little bit earlier, a few years ago. So I do think that that is going to be working out for the Packers to be able to, to survive in advance and perhaps make it back to the Super Bowl. I think that home field advantage means more to the Packers than any other team left in the postseason. So if I'm looking at a little bit more of a long shot, I am looking a little bit more at the AFC side of things because I do think that though the Titans have gotten a lot of love, they don't necessarily deserve it. What does deserve more love though? The college basketball betting board for Friday. We've got some money to be made with regards to some of these games. Some of them are bigger, some of them are smaller. So we're going to try to honor some gems next, right here on the look at on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vsin.com to check out the current betting splits data. This new feature gives you insights on where the money and the bets are moving for every single game. You'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money does not match up with the public opinion. Data is available for money line over, under, and against the spread bets. Betting splits are another way that VSIN is here year-round to be able to make you a smarter better. So check out today's betting splits for every single game 
at vsin.com as it is a look at with myself greggy pearson filling in for scott seidenberg tonight and we've got to live up to our billing of the name hoops we've got to take a look at some college basketball wound up giving out my new york post pick last hour have no fear if you want to missing it we're going to give it to you once again in the final segment of the show so in about 15 20 minutes or so so have no fear there but we do have some slobber knockers when it comes to what we're going to be getting in college basketball on Friday. And how about if we take a look at one of the top teams to the over in all of college basketball? This team is number two to the over, and they reside out there in the Metro Atlantic. I bet not too many people thought that the Manhattan Jaspers were going to be much of an over team, but they are, and they are going to be playing against the Saints of Siena, as this one is going to be one of the more, shall we say, interesting games and this is actually a rematch of a game that we wound up seeing in December as it's 879 880 on the or 877-878 on the betting board man and find themselves in a lot of places a three-point favorite DraftKings really won the few two and a halfs I'm seeing out there and your trial game and between 136 and 137 and for Manhattan this is a much improved free throw shooting team which is a big reason why you have been able to see a lot of their overs be able to cash. This is a team that in past years, they have been cataclysmically bad at the free throw line. Now they're about a 73% free throw shooting team. So relatively respectable there when it comes to this Manhattan team. It's not as if they've been necessarily the most efficient team in the country in points on a per possession basis. They rank just 169th. So I do have my red flags there that this is going to start to dry up a little bit. You take a look at Sienna and this has been one of the lesser teams with regards to offense at all of college basketball, 287th with regards to points scored on a per possession basis. And you do have a Manhattan team that they've throttled up a little bit, but what I think is going to be fascinating in this game is seeing what we wind up getting with regards to late in the game, because this is a game between Siena and Manhattan that it was looking like it was going to be a dead under in regulation because it actually wrapped up 64 to 64 before going to overtime and overtime. Well, if you've got an under and you wind up being able to get that under after overtime, you've just done an absolutely tremendous job of being able to handicap that game. And the first total, we wound up seeing it right around a, like a 132-133 in that game. So we've seen a little bit of adjustment here. And a big reason why is because Jose Perez has been able to do a very good job for this Manhattan team. He's given up five and a half assists. He's been the team's top scorer. But then you take a look at the Siena team and I just don't necessarily know where the scoring is going to be coming from in this game, which is a big reason why I did wind up setting this line at six as well. You've got a Manhattan team that they don't necessarily have that one guy that's going to come out there and is going to give you like 10 plus rebounds or anything like that. But Walt Williams is able to give you 10 points, four rebounds per game. You've been able to get some relatively effective play out of someone like a Josh Roberts who winds coming in from St. John's. He's been able to give you right around six rebounds per game. Somebody Diallo, the UMass transfer, right around five rebounds. And then you take a look at the Siena team and, they are now without Andrew Playtech. He actually wound up suffering a season-ending injury when the team wound up facing off against Manhattan a little bit over a month ago, but got a lot of hit-or-miss guys when it comes to the Siena team. With Siena, they're shooting as a collective about 35% from three-point range, which is not bad, but they do turn the ball over quite a bit, and this is a team that they really can't punch it in inside. Jackson Sormo, really the only guy that's able to give you some, I guess you'd call it just in general rebounding. He's been able to give the team 10.5 points. Seven boards per game. Really, when you take a look at Sienna, you've got two different guys. They're giving you more than four and a half rebounds per game. So that is a big time issue when it comes to this team. You've also got a guy, Nick Hopkins, that does a relatively solid job at the free throw line. Transferred in from Belmont. Eight and a half points per game. I still remember one of his seasons at Belmont. He literally shot 95% of the free throw line. So he's able to do a relatively solid job there of being an effective guy. But at the same time, not a lot of facilitation when it comes to the Siena team. You don't have a single guy that gives you more than two assists per game. That makes this team very easy to defend. It means that you've got a lot of 
isolation with regards to Sienna. It's been a little bit of a disjointed bunch this year. They did wind up having their main point guard from last year, Jalen Pickett, wind up transferring over to Penn State. And you tell that that's taken a lot out of them. And for this Van Anden team, it's really a team that plays very good as a cohesive unit. They do a good job of being able to hit the glass. Neither of these teams are necessarily overly fast. Neither of these teams are necessarily overly slow. But I've noticed that bookmakers have been adjusting a little bit on Van Anden totals. I've got my total personally at a 132. So sort of what we wound up having with regards to the first matchup, with regards to that closing total, would have went under if it would not have went to overtime. So I take a look at this spot. I do think that we are going to get a little bit of a slower game. I'm willing to dive under. And with Van Etten, made them a six-point favorite. So I'm going to be looking to lay it here. You've got one game that's really going to be going out here on the West Coast. That is between two Mountain West foes as we go to 893, 894. This is going to be the nightcap, 8 p.m. Pacific, 11 p.m. Eastern, as you've got Nevada playing us at Fresno State. Fresno State opens up a two and a half point favorite. We have seen a pretty dramatic move here as a lot of places now have Nevada as a favorite. You're seeing a pick them in quite a few spots as well. And your total on scheme, we haven't seen as much of a move here. You're seeing mostly 135 and a half. Circa where I'm at right now, you're seeing the lone 137 out there in the market. And I do agree with this line move. I made Nevada a one and a half point favorite. So getting them as an underdog early was solid. Now the value is starting to dry up a little bit more. At one, I'm still in on them, but if you wind up going north of this, then I think that you probably don't want to be taking a look at Nevada and you're just getting barbecued on closing line value as well. When it comes to Nevada, the reason why I do think that they wind up winning this game outright in a tight one is because you do have the backcourt of Grant Sherfield along Desmond Cambridge. Both of these guys have been absolutely tremendous for this team. You take a look at Sherfield, and he's been able to give the team six half assists per game. He's really been the main facilitator, but these two guys combined to be able to give you about 33 points per game. They both shoot in the mid-30s from three-point range. You take a look at what you're able to get down low as well. Will Baker is a seven-footer that comes in from Texas. 11 half points, five and a half boards. He shoots over 40% from three-point range. So these guys have been rock solid, but when it comes to Fresno State, they do have a versatile seven-footer of their own. His name is Orlando Robinson, and he's one of the more underrated players in college basketball. How about this for something the Satchi? 19 and a half points, 8.7 rebounds, 2.8 assists, 1.1 seals, 1.6 blocks, shooting 33% from three and 79% the free throw line. This is a seven-footer that is putting up these numbers. And Fresno State, they are one of the slowest teams in all of college basketball. In terms of possessions per game, Fresno State is literally in the bottom 20 of the country. Out of 358 D1 teams, they rank 353rd. So, gotta expect them to try to take the air out of the ball. And this is a Fresno State team that they've already faced up-tempo teams and they've done a great job of being able to get them to play at their tempo. Meanwhile, Nevada, they are 19th in the country. So, a literal tortoise and the hare sort of situation in this one. I do lean a little bit more to this game being slowed down. Fresno State has done a good job of being able to get whoever they played to play at their tempo. So I did wind up setting the total at a 131.5. When it comes to Fresno State, the backcourt has been a little bit disjointed just because Jermaine Baker is someone that they were expecting big things from. Wound up playing five games this season. Sounds like he is pretty much done for the year unless we hear otherwise. So you've had to have other guys be able to step up. You've had a guy like a Jordan Campbell be able to give you right around seven and a half points per game. He has been solid for this team. And then Anthony Holland, is a guy that just does a wide variety of things for the team. Nine points, five and a half rebounds. He chips in there right around 47% three-point shooting as well. And to Fresno State's credit, among their top two scores, both of them shoot at least 79% of the free throw line. So they're very sure-handed there. And they don't get their shots blocked. Something that you want to be taking a look at as well is clean looks when it comes to these teams in college basketball. Fresno State has had the fewest amount of their shots blocked per game of any team in college basketball. So 
You do give them a little bit of credit there. I do think, though, that Nevada, a team that we're going to call what it is. They've been one of the bigger disappointments among mid-major teams in all of college basketball. They are going to be able to get up off the mat just because they do think that that backcourt is really going to be able to hurt this Fresno State team that they even deal with their ambulance themselves. And Warren Washington, I think, is going to do an okay job in this game against Orlando Robinson. He himself is a 7-footer, 11 points, right around 7 points per game. He's able to give you a block and a half per contest. Big problem that you've had with this Nevada team is that depth has not necessarily been the world's greatest for the team, but KJ Himes is now back in the fold, a guy that was able to give you right around 7 to 8 points per game last season. So that should be able to give the team a little bit of ammunition. They should have the firepower to be able to get the job done in the spot. So I do take a look at Nevada, and I like them here at 1. Anything further... And then I'd be sort of out on them just because this is a Nevada team that they opened up a two and a half point underdog and now you're finding them as a favorite. So we have seen a quantum line move here. And when it comes to total, set it at a one thirty one and a half. You've got one very fast team, one very slow team. And I do think that Fresno State going to be able to win out with regards to the tempo battle. So I'm taking a look at this total under and I'm willing to lay the one slash take Nevada as a pick since I'm seeing a lot of pick and prices out there as well. How about if we go to another team that is towards the top of college basketball with regards to possessions per game? You've got Evansville hitting the road to face off against Illinois State, 887-888. You've got Illinois State, seven-point favorite. Total on this game, relatively similar to what we're seeing in Nevada versus Fresno State. This is anywhere between 135.5 and 136.5. This opened at 137.5, so we have seen a little bit of a dip there, and I think that it is the correct move because you've got an Evansville team that they just have been very rudderless on offense. They have scored 60 points or fewer in four of their last five games. Things are not necessarily going well. They're 339th with regards to possessions per game. And then when it comes to Illinois State, once again, very fast team as they rank with regards to possessions per game more in the neighborhood of the top 30, more or less 26th. So I do think that that is something to take a look at in this game. And with Illinois State, they're coming off of a massive comeback in their last game. We're going to tell you guys about that, give you guys an ear post play. And I'm just going to be going through what I like in general for college basketball on Friday in the final segment. As this is a look at myself, Greg Peterson, filling in for Scott Seidenberg right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. It's never too early to prepare for the big game, and we want to make sure that VSIN is part of your plans. We'll be with you throughout the playoffs and then onto the championship weekend. We'll have 56 hours of free video coverage on vcin.com leading up to the sixth annual live big game backcast. It's the biggest game of the year, so make plans to be able to join vcin, all of the sports betting experts before, during, and after the action right here on vcin.com. As it is a look at final segment for myself, Greg Peterson, filling in for Scott Seidenberg. If you're listening to me live, well, you'll get to hear me again for another three hours. If you're listening to the replay, Follow the money. That is going to be coming up in 15 minutes, guys. Always have you locked and loaded. They're going to be doing a great job. Take a look at everything that we're going to be having this weekend. We're going to have lots of college basketball action. Obviously, a big weekend with regards to NFL action. And when it comes to what we're going to be able to bet on on Friday, a lot of it is going to be college basketball. Wound up leaving off talking about another battle that we have between a super up-tempo team and a super slow team. Illinois State versus Evansville, 887-888 on the betting board. And when it comes to this game, I wound up saying Illinois State as more around an 8.5-point favorite in their last game against Bradley. Illinois State wound up getting down by kind of 35-15. to 15. It was the second biggest comeback in school history. And when it comes to this Illinois State, they're just a different breed at this point. This is a bunch that has Antonio Reeves being able to shoot over 40% from three-point range. He's been going off for 21 points per game. Josiah Strong 
shoots over 40% from distance. He's a good double-figure scorer for this team. And you take a look at this Illinois team. In general, Illinois State, the Redbirds are shooting as a collective about 38% from three-point range. They've been able to do a great job, and it really travels home to road. Home to road. Their offensive efficiency numbers really don't deviate. Reason why I do like the under in this game, Evansville. They are in the bottom 20 with regards to possessions per game and points on a per possession basis. They are in the bottom 50 of all of college basketball. So that's not necessarily a great combination. Todd Licklider just has not been able to get this team to be able to elevate themselves. Bobo Champ has been a relatively solid Juco transfer, but certainly has not been able to do a lot when it comes to this team. I do like what you've been able to get a little bit more. I don't know. Frederick King, he's been able to give the team a couple rebounds, but you take a look at it. You've had Shamir Givens, who's been able to give you right around 14 points per game. He's been able to do a relatively solid job for the team. But you take a look at the Sevensville team. They don't necessarily have a lot of depth. They, as a collective, shoot barely above 30% from three-point range. They're 275th in the country with regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis. It's just really a nightmare wreck for this team. It doesn't sound like much when you say that a team winds up turning the ball over right around 12 to 13 times per game, but with how slowly Evansville plays, that's actually a big giant issue for this team. So that is going to be something that is going to be tough for this team. I do think that Evansville just not going to be able to hold up their end of the bargain when it comes to the total. And for Evansville, they've been able to get their slow pace in a lot of games. We have noticed that Illinois State has throttled down just a little bit. Defense has been a little bit more on par for this team ever since Missouri Valley Conference play has begun. A lot of teams out there in the Missouri Valley, let's just call it what it is. They are very slow slugs of teams. So I did wind up setting this total at 132.5. I'm going to be taking a look at the under in this spot. And with Illinois State, set them as an 8.5 point favorite. They do need to be a little bit more efficient in this game, but got a guy like Asai Chapman comes in from UMass. He's able to give you six rebounds per game. you got an Evansville team that they really get bludgeoned on the glass. And then along with that, for this Illinois State team. They were without Mark Freeman for a little bit of time. He had his turnover issues at the beginning of the year. And for that matter, last year, why was that Tennessee State has been able to rein it in a little bit more with that regard, has been able to do a better job of taking care of the ball. And we got an Evansville team that they just don't force turnovers to save their lives as well. So, so my total 132.5, I'm going to be looking at an under. With Illinois State, willing to lay up to 8.5 with them. So willing to lay a 7 here. And then with regards to the New York Post play, wound up giving this out in hour number two, and we're going to go back through it because it is a big one. It is 891, 892 on the rotation. Battle of ranked teams in the Big Ten. Michigan State on the road facing off against Wisconsin, and we have seen a little bit of a line move when it comes to this game. Michigan State opened up a 4.5 point underdog. In a lot of places, you're still seeing fours. At DraftKings, you're seeing a 3.5 with Michigan State being the underdog in the spot, and your total on this game, you wound up going from 140 on the open Relatively steady right now, anywhere between 140 and 140 and a half. I personally do look at the under in the spot. Wisconsin has actually been one of the better over teams in all of college basketball, something that you don't say very often as Wisconsin with regards to overrate right around 70%. 12 out of their 17 games on the Las Vegas betting board have wound up going over the total. They actually rank with regards to overrate in the top 20 in all of college basketball. But then you take a look at Michigan State. This has been a team that has been able to do a relatively solid job on defense. And a big reason why Michigan State has been able to do so, they've been able to cut off the three-point arc. And with Wisconsin, Donnie Davis, right now, if there was a player of the year vote, he would be getting my vote. This is a guy that has been absolutely magnificent. 22 points per game, seven and a half boards. He shoots 35.5% from three. Throws in there a single half per game. Really, the only thing that he doesn't do is block shots. So he has been very impressive from that standpoint. But 
players that named Johnny Davis on Wisconsin are shooting 30.6% from three-point range. Good news for Wisconsin is that Tyler Wall has been able to step up a little bit more. Wall has been able to do a nice job being able to give you 11 points per game. He's been able to give the team double figures in each of the last four contests. Gives you a little bit over a block per game as well. But I mentioned it with Michigan State. They rank 29th in the country with regards to opponents' three-point shooting percentage. Right around 29% is what opponents are shooting. Meanwhile, Wisconsin... They're 174th in the country with regards to opponent three-point shooting percentage. And for Wisconsin, they face off against a Michigan State team that ranks in the top 20 with regards to their own three-point shooting percentage, 38.8% as a collective. Now, the big bugaboo for Michigan State has been the turnovers, a little bit over 14 per contest. But I do think that Michigan State is going to be able to win the battle on the interior. I go through wall, but got Marcus Bingham Jr. for this Michigan State team. He's able to give you just under three blocks, seven boards, nine points per game, Gabe Brown has been doing a good job of being able to provide versatility for this Michigan State team as well. 14.5 points, 5.5 boards, shoots 38.8% from three-point range himself. And then you've seen guys like Max Christie be able to emerge. A bigger reason why the turnovers have been able to go down a little bit more is because Tyson Walker, the graduate transfer from Northeastern, he has been able to do a better job of being able to take care of the ball first couple of games of the year. You can tell that he was rough. He wasn't necessarily on the same page as his teammates. Now he is, and that has been a big reason why Michigan State, ever since that Champions Classic loss, has been able to take off. We got two out of the top three teams out there in the Big Ten doing battle, and I do think that this is going to be a relatively good spot for Michigan State as well because when it comes to this Wisconsin Badgers team, they are a team that I do think that they are doing for a little bit of regression. I mentioned the fact that they've been such a good over team, a bigger reason why they've been able to shoot it very well at the free throw line, but I do think that they're going to wind up losing the battle on the glass in this game as well. Wisconsin, not very good at being able to give themselves second chances. If they wind up missing the shot, they are pretty much going to be one and done as Wisconsin is getting an offensive rebound right around 23% of their misses, give or take a little bit. When it comes to Michigan State, this is a bunch that they just do a good job of being able to swarm the glass year in and year out. Tom Izzo always does a good job of being able to preach that toughness to the team when it comes to Michigan State. They are grabbing an offensive rebound on about 26% of their misses on the road. They're actually a better rebounding team when it comes to the offensive glass on the road than they are at home. So I find that to be very intriguing as well. With regards to Michigan State, when it comes to overall rebound rate, they are 19th in the country. So I do think that the Michigan State Spartans are going to be able to win the battle on the glass. They're a little bit better with regards to blocking shots. Their overall defense has been rock solid. And for Wisconsin, you just don't have a ton outside of Johnny Davis. So I take a look at Michigan State. Officially in the New York Post, it's typically spread bets, and I'm going to be giving out the spread. I personally think that there's a good chance that you're not going to need the points. I think that the money line of Michigan State is really worth a look. And when it comes to this total, I do think that they've gotten a little bit too inflated on Wisconsin because Wisconsin is still a relatively slow team. They're a bit faster than they've been in past years. Wisconsin typically in the bottom 35 with regards to possessions per game. Out of 358 teams, they're more around 275th this year, but certainly they're not looking to just play really, really fast as if they have to run to a double park car or anything like that. You're never going to get that out of Wisconsin. So I take a look at the spot. I'm going to be taking a look at the under, and I'm going to be taking a look at Michigan State with the near post play. We're going to have a little bit more information on that. And if you want to missing it in our number two, a few other things I'm taking a look at Cleveland State versus Youngstown State. We've seen a little bit of a line move here. It wound up opening up with Youngstown State being a nine point underdog. Now you're finding it anywhere between eight and eight and a half. That puts me on Cleveland State as I set my line at nine. So I was very enlightened to be able to see that. And when it comes to one of the lowest totals that we're seeing on the board, we have yet to hit on this game. You've got 879, 880 on the betting board, Niagara versus St. Peter's. You've got a total of between 124 and a half and 125 with Niagara being a two to two and a half point favorite. And I think that this line is relatively justified. 
when it comes to this total. I made my total 123, so I'm actually going to be taking a look at an under in this spot. You've got a pair of teams that just are not playing with any tempo whatsoever. When it comes to Niagara, one of the slowest teams in all of college basketball, and ditto for what you're getting on the flip side here for for what you're going to be able to get in this game. you got a pair of teams that are in the bottom 50 with regards to possessions per game. This is a St. Peter's team that they've been able to do a relatively solid job of being able to block shots, but when it comes to Niagara, I think that Marcus Hammond is going to be the best player out there on the floor, a guy that's able to give you 17 points per game, shoots in the high 30s from three-point range, got a pair of guys in Sam Oreo along with what you're able to get out of Greg Kukomenza that do a good job of being able to give you a couple rebounds as well. This is a good spot for Niagara, in my opinion, to be able to keep the game very low and slow, and I do think that you are going to be able to get an under in this game as I wound up setting it at a 123 and with Niagara. I've got them relatively equal to St. Peter's on a neutral court. Wound up setting them as a three-point favorite, so willing to lay the two to two and a half here. And with regards to Vicent, always willing to lay my chips online here for this company. It's always tremendous to be aboard with you guys. Follow the money if you're listening to the replay. It is going to be up next, and that is right here on the Sports Betting Network. Vicent, as this has been the look at.